This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Katie Anderson. Irrawan by Samuel Butler. Chapter 3 Up the River. The first day we had an easy time, following up the great flats by the river side, which had already been twice burned, so that there was no dense undergrowth to check us, though the ground was often rough and we had to go a good deal upon the river bed. Towards nightfall we had made a matter of some five and twenty miles, and camped at the point where the river entered upon the gorge. The weather was delightfully warm, considering that the valley in which we were encamped must have been at least two thousand feet above the level of the sea. The riverbed was here about a mile and a half broad and entirely covered with shingle over which the river ran in many winding channels, looking, when seen from above, like a tangled skein of ribbon, and glistening in the sun. We knew that it was liable to very sudden and heavy fresh sets, but even had we not known it, we could have seen it by the snags of trees, which must have been carried long distances, and by the mass of vegetable and mineral debris which was banked against their lower side showing that at times the whole river-bed must be covered with a roaring torrent many feet in depth and of ungovernable fury at present the river was low there being but five or six streams too deep and rapid for even a strong man to ford on foot but to be crossed safely on horseback on either side of it there were still a few acres of flat which grew wider and wider down the river till they became the large plains on which we looked from my master's hut Behind us rose the lowest spurs of the second range, leading abruptly to the range itself, and at a distance of half a mile began the gorge, where the river narrowed and became boisterous and terrible. The beauty of the scene cannot be conveyed in language. The one side of the valley was blue with evening shadow, through which loomed forest and precipice, hillside and mountain top, and the other was still brilliant with the sunset gold. The wide and wasteful river, with its ceaseless rushing, the beautiful water-birds, too, which abounded upon the islets, and were so tame that we could come close up to them, the ineffable purity of the air, the solemn peacefulness of the untrodden region, could there be a more delightful and exhilarating combination? We set about making our camp, close to some large bush, which came down from the mountains onto the flat, and tethered out our horses upon ground as free as we could find it, from anything round which they might wind the rope and get themselves tied up. We dared not let them run loose, lest they might stray down the river home again. We then gathered wood and lit the fire. We filled a tin pannikin with water and set it against the hot ashes to boil. When the water boiled we threw in two or three large pinches of tea and let them brew. We had caught half a dozen young ducks in the course of the day. An easy matter, for the old birds made such a fuss in attempting to decoy us away from them, pretending to be badly hurt, as they say the plover does, that we could always find them by going about in the opposite direction to the old bird, till we heard the young ones crying, then we ran them down, for they could not fly, though they were nearly full-grown. Chowbok plucked them a little, and singed them a good deal. Then we cut them up and boiled them on another pannikin, and this completed our preparations. When we had done supper it was quite dark. The silence and freshness of the night, the occasional sharp cry of the wood-hen, the ruddy glow of the fire, the subdued rushing of the river, the somber forest, and the immediate foreground of our saddles, packs, and blankets made a picture worthy of a Salvatore Rosa or Nicolas Poussin. I call it to mind, and delight in it now, but I did not notice it at the time. We next to never know when we are well off, 
but this cuts two ways for if it did we should perhaps know better when we are ill off also and i have sometimes thought that there are as many ignorant of the one as the other he who wrote o fortunatos nimium sua si bona norent agricolas might have written quite as truly o infortunatos nimium sua si mala norent and there are few of us who are not protected from the keenest pain by our inability to see what it is that we have done what we are suffering and what we truly are let us be grateful to the mirror for revealing us to our appearance only we found as soft a piece of ground as we could though it was all stony and having collected grass and so disposed of ourselves that we had a little hollow for our hip bones we strapped our blankets around us and went to sleep waking in the night i saw the stars overhead and the moonlight bright upon the mountains the river was ever rushing i heard one of our horses neigh to its companion and was assured that they were still at hand i had no care of mind or body save that i had doubtless many difficulties to overcome there came upon me a delicious sense of peace a fullness of contentment which i do not believe can be felt by any but those who have spent days consecutively on horseback or at any rate in the open air next morning we found our last night's tea-leaves frozen at the bottom of the pannikins though it was not nearly the beginning of autumn we breakfasted as we had supped and were on our way by six o'clock in half an hour we had entered the gorge and turning round a corner we bade farewell to the last sight of my master's country the gorge was narrow and precipitous the river was now only a few yards wide and roared and thundered against rocks of many tons in weight the sound was deafening for there was a great volume of water we were two hours in making less than a mile and that with danger sometimes in the river and sometimes on the rock there was that damp black smell of rocks covered with slimy vegetation as near some huge waterfall where spray is ever rising the air was clammy and cold i cannot conceive how our horses managed to keep their footing especially the one with the pack and i dreaded the having to return almost as much as going forward i suppose this lasted three miles but it was well midday when the gorge got a little wider and a small stream came into it from a tributary valley Farther progress up the main river was impossible, for the cliffs descended like walls, so we went up the side stream, Chalbok seeming to think that here must be the pass of which reports existed among his people. We now incurred less of actual danger but more fatigue, and it was only after infinite trouble, owing to the rocks and tangled vegetation, that we got ourselves and our horses upon the saddle from which the small stream descended. By that time the clouds had descended upon us, and it was raining heavily. Moreover, it was six o'clock, and we were tired out, having made perhaps six miles in twelve hours. On the saddle there was some coarse grass, which was in full seed, and therefore very nourishing for the horses. Also abundance of anise and sow thistle, of which they are extravagantly fond. So we turned them loose and prepared to camp. Everything was soaking wet, and we were half-perished with the cold. Indeed, we were very uncomfortable. There was brushwood about, but we could get no fire till we had shaved off the wet outside of some dead branches, and filled our pockets with the dry inside chips. Having done this we managed to start a fire, nor did we allow it to go out when we had once started it. We pitched the tent, and by nine o'clock were comparatively warm and dry. Next morning it was fine. We broke camp, and after advancing a short distance we found that by descending over ground less difficult than yesterday's, we should come again upon the river bed which had opened out above the gorge but it was plain at a glance that there was no available sheep country nothing but a few flats covered with scrub on either side of the river 
and mountains which were perfectly worthless, but we could see the main range. There was no mistake about this. The glaciers were tumbling down the mountainside like cataracts, and seemed actually to descend upon the river bed. There could be no serious difficulty in reaching them by following up the river, which was wide and open, but it seemed rather an objectless thing to do, for the main range looked hopeless, and my curiosity about the nature of the country above the gorge was now quite satisfied. There was no money in it whatever, unless there should be minerals of which I saw no more signs than lower down. However, I resolved that I would follow the river up, and not return until I was compelled to do so. I would go up every branch as far as I could, and wash well for gold. Chowbok liked seeing me do this, but it never came to anything, for we did not even find the color. His dislike of the main range appeared to have worn off, and he made no objections to approaching it. I think that he thought there was no danger of my trying to cross it, and he was not afraid of anything on this side. Besides, we might find gold. But the fact was that he had made up his mind what to do if he saw me getting too near it. We passed three weeks in exploring, and never did I find time go more quickly. The weather was fine, though the nights got very cold. We followed every stream but one, and always found it led us to a glacier which was plainly impassable, at any rate without a larger party and ropes. One stream remained, which I should have followed up already, had not Chowbok said that he had risen early one morning while I was yet asleep, and after going up it for three or four miles, had seen that it was impossible to go farther. I had long ago discovered that he was a great liar, so I was bent on going up myself. In brief, I did so. So far from being impossible, it was quite easy traveling, and after five or six miles I saw a saddle at the end of it, which, though covered deep in snow, was not glaciered, and which did fairly appear to be the part of the main range itself. No words can express the intensity of my delight. My blood was all on fire with hope and elation, but on looking round for Chowbok, who was behind me, I saw to my surprise and anger that he had turned back and was going down the valley as hard as he could. He had left me. End of chapter 3